Monday, July 19th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, you know, big picture, the, the weekend in Oakland went pretty well for the Indians. They should have been three for three, uh, a, uh, a walk-off home run in the, uh, the first game there on Friday night. But, uh, but really, you, you, got, you could pretty much take two out of three against the Oakland A's, a, a solid team out there. Uh, out west and uh, a team the Indians have have struggled to play against in in Oakland. Yeah, definitely, Joe. That's a, they all, Oakland has always been a thorn in their side. Uh, that's the first uh, series win in Oakland at the Coliseum for the Indians since 2014, and the first series win since 2017. You know, the last time the, these two teams met in 2019, the A's went five and one against them. So. Yeah, that was that was an encouraging series, and you, like you said, they should have they should have won they should have swept the series, except you know Class A gives up the uh, the two run homer in, in in the ninth inning on Friday night, but they bounce back in uh, all close games. If you're a baseball fan, I think you probably had to like that series. They were all one two run games, and they were tense. You know, they could have swung any different way in the ninth inning. Yeah. Uh... Three starters for the Indians in those three games each go at least five innings. Zach Plesac goes six innings yesterday. Uh, really an encouraging sign with the young arms that the Indians have to keep running out there because of their injuries. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, Eli Morgan goes five innings on Friday, third straight start with five five innings. Then Cal Quantrill, you know, gives him really five, you know, another five innings, probably could have gone six. But he, you know, he had he expended a lot of pitches and a lot of energy in that that critical fifth inning and got out of a you know bases loaded jam, and then uh, you know Plesac was really encouraging, Joe. I I don't know what you thought, but you know six strong innings, uh, definitely his uh, you know best starts and well it's only his second start since coming off the injured list, but it's really got to be uh, you know give Terry Francona at least you know, an anchor in that rotation that, uh, you know, you, you got one guy that is going to get you to the sixth inning or, or beyond maybe. Yeah. It's a, it's a glimmer of hope. And Tito said as much uh, afterwards, he said, hopefully we, we get him in a position where he can, he can keep getting us at least to the sixth inning, maybe beyond that we get him stretched out and, and he keeps uh, contributing that way. Uh, you mentioned Eli Morgan, you mentioned Cal Quantrill and, and, and Zach Plesek. Uh, the Indians are going to have to make a move uh, on the roster to get uh, J.C. Mejia up for tonight's start. Uh, we don't know exactly what that move is going to be, but uh, that's the next guy up basically in the rotation uh, against Houston tonight. Uh, and what do we expect out of J.C. Mejia as we as we move forward? Yeah, uh, big, big question mark for me, Joe. Um, you know, last, uh, you know, they sent him down right before the break after a bad start against Houston. He gave up six runs against the Astros at Progressive Field. Uh, they sent him down to a Columbus so he could keep pitching over the break uh, in a game against uh, St. Paul. Uh, he gave up seven runs in about two and two third innings. He, gave, he only allowed four hits, but they all left the ballpark. So, so it's, I think it's a buckle up, uh, buck, tighten your seatbelt night for, for the Indians tonight because he's going against Zach Greinke. But, you know, the fact is, Joe, I mean, you know, you look at this series with the, the Astros, and the Astros, you know, what, lost two out of three against the White Sox over the weekend. 
but they're still the best team in the American League East, West, probably one of the best teams in baseball. And the Indians are throwing three rookies against them. Uh, you know, Mejia, Tristan McKenzie, and then you're coming back with uh, Morgan. And uh, talk about being, you know, kind of, you know, with one foot in the grave and one foot in the banana peel. That's, you know, that's how uh, the Indians are going into this series. Well, one thing that uh, sort of, one, one trend that sort of happened against Oakland over the weekend was the Indians started to get some contributions from an area that they really haven't gotten contributions all year, uh, and that's the outfield. Uh, Oscar Mercado hits a home run on Friday. Uh, Bradley Zimmer uh, contributes, or Bradley Zimmer and Daniel Johnson uh, contribute on Sunday. Uh, it just seemed like everybody uh, in the outfield, even Harold Ramirez on Saturday, uh, had, a, had a couple of hits. I, I, is it too soon to say, or is it just being too optimistic to say, you know, maybe the Indians can, can start to expect a little more out of their, their offense from the outfielders? Well, they're certainly getting a chance, Joe. I mean, Zimmer, you know, had the best series he's had in, you know, two, three, four years, I think. He, he homered twice in that series. Uh, you know, drove in five, six runs, had a big game yesterday, three for five with a home run and three RBIs. I think those that was his first, you know, first three RBI games since uh, 2017 mm-hmm. and his first three hit games since 2018. Now, you got to remember he's he's been hurt, but, uh, you know, he's he's you know, he, he is showing signs of life. And then, you know, Daniel Johnson, who really, you know, is just starting his big league career. Uh, you know, got, got two, two straight starts in right field and in his old, you know, kind of the ballpark where he went and watched the A's as, as a kid and really had a great game yesterday. And, uh, you know, it started uh, in the second inning with that diving catch to uh, save a run and, and end the inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the uh, yesterday was the tale of the San Francisco Don and the Oakland kid. Huh? Sounds like an old Western. Uh, um, <laughs> I. Yeah, uh, Zimmer really looked like he's he's starting to to regularly look like that same Bradley Zimmer from 2017, early 2018. You know, before the injury, and and Daniel Johnson, I think just the the comfortability, the feeling a little more relaxed. His first maybe dozen at bats when he came up this season, uh, you got to throw those out the door. But uh, he's starting to show the the player that we see regularly in spring training the last two years, who's at times the best athlete on the field. Yeah. You know, Zimmer to me, you know, the fact that he's been playing a lot in center field and has really settled that, that whole outfield defense down with his play, you know, his ability to get to the gaps on in left and right center field, you know, has really, you know, solidified that helped the pitching staff. And now you're starting to see him, you know, settle in at the plate as well. I'm, I'm really anxious to see, uh, if this continues, you know, he, he's, he's such a tall guy and he, you know, and, you know, pitchers can work him inside, you know, with, with his, his long arms, but maybe he's settled into something. He said he feels much more comfortable in the batter's box. Maybe he's found a way to combat that. And, and Daniel Johnson, you know, is a guy to me that just needs to play. You know, he just, that you didn't see those wild swings, you know, that you saw when he came up the first time, when he played against Chicago, against the White Sox, you're seeing a little more controlled ball player. And, uh, you know, he's got some speed. You know, it's an exciting, those guys are exciting. Uh, Zimmer, you know, automatic 
if he walks, it's almost an automatic double because he's got some speed. And Daniel Johnson can run as well. Uh, so it, it, it's it's an interesting uh, combination. If but both of them got to hit. You know that's what Francona said yesterday. They're they're dying for these guys to hit. And if they hit, I think uh, you know that that outfield start. Uh, you know instead of a weakness, it becomes a strength. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that just the patience and the relaxation for Daniel Johnson. His uh, base hit before the home run yesterday uh, was on a curveball, was a really good piece of hitting and keeping his hands back and and just sort of lining the ball into right field when he got the pitch that he knew he was going to get, and he, he actually did something with it instead of flailing at a pitch and, and trying to yank it out of the park. Uh, and then he was able to do that uh, on, on his next at-bat. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the outfield, if that can be a, a contributing factor, that changes things a lot for the Indians moving forward. Uh, one thing that really didn't change for the Indians, uh, Brian Shaw, all three games in Oakland, he pitched, and he closed out the game Sunday for his second uh, save of the season. Uh, Brian Shaw is, is really – Tito said after the game, I don't think people truly appreciate what Brian Shaw brings – and for him to be able to do that is really impressive. Uh, he's, he said Shaw's going to want to pitch again tonight, but he's going to have to tell him no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy he was when <clears throat> his first time around in Cleveland. You know, he, him and, uh, you know, that whole bullpen, uh, they had that culture. It's taking the ball every day, and, and Shaw was kind of the ringleader of that, uh, along with Cody, uh, Cody Allen. <clears throat> or, yeah, Cody yeah. Yeah. Cody Allen. And, uh, you know, he, he really hasn't lost it. You know, I thought, uh, I thought he, he, some, you know, obviously something happened to him when he went to, to the Rockies after he left the Indians, but whatever it was, you know, he's, he's put it behind him and he looks like the same Brian Shaw. Yeah. And really with Emmanuel Classe sort of being a little bit inconsistent there, uh, James Karinchak, you never really know. James Karinchak actually is showing more uh, more Brian Shaw tendencies in terms of, you, you know, you get one of those innings where you, you like a, a, a three-cigarette inning you got to get through <laughs> in order to to, uh, to survive a, a Karinchak outing lately. Um, so really just having that stability with Shaw and that consistency has has been really a, a key for, for Frank Ona. Yeah, I think it's a key for the uh, the whole bullpen. You know, you got like you said, Joe. You've got two young back end guys in Class A and and Karen Check, and you've got Shaw to show them how to do it. You know, and uh, these guys got arms that Shaw wishes he had. You know, Shaw, but Shaw's still playing hard, uh, pitching like He's what, still 94? throwing ninety six. Yeah, so you know, but uh, so you know, I think it's a great it's a great mix down there, especially at the back end. Yeah, and. As, as, as they move forward, I think, do you, do you think as we get close to the trading deadline that, that teams will ask about Brian Shaw as a, as a possibility? I think for sure they'll ask. You know, everybody needs bullpen help. And it's just, you know, where do the Indians think they're at? You know, are they, are they in the wild card race or not? You know, and, uh, and right now I, you'd have to say they are. Do, do you think if they get – closer to the deadline in a couple of weeks here and, you know, things aren't going the way they need to go. Do you think they could maybe get something for Brian Shaw and then just go with the two class A and 
and and uh, Karinchak, and then maybe bump Wickren up into Shaw's role. Yeah, I, I don't think there would be, you know, the, you know, Wickren pitched really well the, his last outing, one, two, three, uh, you know, I think it was Saturday, he retired to side in order on Saturday. And so, yeah, I, I don't think they'd have a problem with that. Um, I don't think the return would be great, you know, for Shaw. He's 33 years old. You kind of know what you're getting, but it would almost be more, you know, if, if you decide, Brian Shaw, you're doing him a favor to send sending him to a contender, you know what a I'm contender, saying? Yeah. Giving him a shot at, at the end of his career. If you don't, if the Indians don't think they have that chance. Well, well, don't go ending Brian Shaw's career anytime soon. This guy <laughs> uh, seems to think he wants to, he's, he's targeted Jesse Orozco. So I think uh, he wants to pitch for a few more years at least. There's never been a better time to register for Indian subtext and get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions on everything from the team's name to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years and uh, my son was born and raised here and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even he's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore Indian fan. So thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian subtext. Speaking of guys with, uh, you know, careers ahead of them, uh, Francisco Lindor uh, on the the, uh, injured list in New York. uh, Of course, the Indians... Uh, got Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez from uh, the Mets, along with a couple of prospects. Uh, really, Francisco Lindor hasn't done much for the Mets so far this year. Carrasco hasn't pitched at all. And and now Lindor and Jacob deGrom are both on the injured list. Yeah, that is not good news for the Mets. And, and that's the first time uh, Lindor's been on the DL in his career. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, he was Superman in Cleveland. He played every day. He wanted to play every day. And now he, he's got that oblique injury, you know, to go along with a slow, slow start. You know, he was just coming around, too. You know, he's starting to hit in, uh, in uh, you know, in July and May, or May, May and July. And now he, uh, he's on the shelf for a while. And we've seen with oblique injuries, you know, that's a month. You know, that's three to four five weeks at least. So, you know, that it, it is not going well for, for Lindor. And I wondered, Joe, I mean, do the Mets, would the Mets, uh, it would be probably be nice if the Mets had Jimenez or Jimenez or, or Rosario to plug into shortstop right now. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who their, uh, their backup or who they're, they've got up there, but 
uh, they've got uh, who's it? Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, the uh, the um, sort of high prospect that they wouldn't trade to the Indians in exchange for Lindor. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I think he's a, a few years away from being major league ready. But um, yeah, it, right now they're probably kicking themselves for trading both of their their other major league ready shortstops because uh, right now they could probably use that. Um, the, uh, let's shift our focus right now to, uh, the coronavirus spike. Um, we're seeing uh, a few more cases with this Delta variant. We've seen what happened to the Yankees and they, they missed, a, they lost a whole, you know, six guys off of their roster. Uh, do you think that this is this trend and we've seen people who are heading to the Olympics even have to be, uh, you know, taken off rosters and, and excused from uh, going to Tokyo. Uh, is, is this going to be a bigger problem than we, we think right now? Well, I think it is uh, for the, uh, you know, if you, if you look at baseball, I think it is for the teams that have kind of, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, loosen their guidelines a little bit because of, you know, you, you know, everybody gets vaccinated or you get 85% of you, your personnel vaccinated, you know, you know, you stop wearing masks, you, you think, okay, we're, we're, things can return to normal. And, and this thing uh, does, is not cooperating. You, you still, you know, the, the, like you said, there's variants of it and uh, it comes back and the Yankees have had it twice, you know, and uh, you know, I thought it was, you know, just how widespread it is that, you know, the Indians can all-star contingent just because they were in the same locker room as Aaron Judge had to be retested when they got to Oakland with Tito and, and Bieber and uh, Jose Ramirez. So, you know, you really have to be vigilant. And if you're not, you can pay the price. Yeah, the, the scary thing, you know, at least from my perspective, you know, Tito talks about how he was having a conversation with Judge during the all-star game. That if he's talking close enough to be talking to him and and interacting with a guy who tests positive uh, and Tito's not exactly the healthiest of guys, I, I, I get a little worried about that. And that, that sort of frightens me. Um, yeah. It's something to watch, something to, to, to keep an eye on is last year, the way that major league baseball dealt with coronavirus and sort of had to ensure and try to get through the playoffs because of what it meant financially to the game this year, It'll be different, but I expect it to be a lot of the same. And with once we get close to the to the playoffs, with with teams uh, heightening their precautions and ramping things up, especially the teams that are are close to being you know playoff qualifiers. Yeah, that's a great point. Do they go back into the bubbles again, like uh, you know they did at the end? You know, at the end of September when the con- all the contenders did. <clears throat> that's uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that because you know, Joe. It's I think it's human nature to say, okay, this is. It's been two years. This thing has finally passed. We've got, you know, thousands of fans in the stands. Nobody's wearing a mask. You know, everything is cool, but it isn't, you know, I mean, yeah, it can still come back and bite you. It, that's it, we're, we're definitely uh, in, in sort of a in dangerous territory right now. Hey, uh, before we go, I uh, wanted to mention uh, over the weekend, Framo Reyes uh, hit a home run. Uh, I, 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 I've not been to that ballpark. You've been there many times. Uh, have you ever seen a, a ball hit into a suite? And, and the <laughs> estimate was 430 feet. 
there's no way it was 430 feet. Just what was your perspective on that home run and all that transpired after that? Yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. I mean, the ball just kept going, you know, usually it, you know, you can see the ball kind of losing velocity and it kind of just drops over the fence. This was on an upward trajectory and it was just like, it like had stages to it and like a rocket, you know, and it, and it went right, right through the window. I think, so. I don't know if somebody caught it, but the window was open. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. hilarious. So the guy in the suite, he didn't catch it, but he must've picked it up and he's holding it out the window and, and waving it at everybody. And he wanted the center fielder to, to, to get Framil to, to sign the ball. So he eventually threw the ball back onto the field. Yeah. The only thing I've, I've seen similar to that, Joe, was at the Sky Dome. Well, when it was the Sky Dome, now it's the Rogers, Rogers Center. When Jim told me they, had, he, they gave him the, uh, the red light, you know, they told him not to swing on a 3-0 pitch. He hit it into the, red, into the same kind of area at, at Rogers Center into a restaurant that was high yeah. above center There's a field. hotel and restaurants in, yeah. in center field at, at Rogers Center, yeah. And, and that was the same kind of home run that, that uh, Fran Mill hit. But, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking back to uh, what was it in spring training when somebody asked Reyes about them changing the baseball to, to lessen the distance of it, you know, to, to keep, you know, to control the number of home runs. And he goes, we'll see when Fran Mill hits it, if, if, <laughs> if the ball has changed. And this thing was like, I bet that thing was lopsided when, 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 it, when it landed. Yeah. Yeah, it probably did look a little funny. That uh, that was interesting. And I asked uh, Framil in the post game. I said, Framil, have you ever hit a ball into a sweep? And he said, Oh, many times, mucho, mucho, but they were all foul. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, he hits them in the sweep all the time when they're foul. I was like, You haven't hit one when it's fair like that. That that's a that that was a poke. Yeah, that was impressive. And then what Quantrill said, you know, he's gonna he's zeroing in on the scoreboard at Progressive Field. Yeah, I think that's going to be as long as Framil is part of the Indians organization. I think that's always going to be something that we follow is is Framil's pursuit of uh, Mark McGuire and hitting the scoreboard uh, in play during a, a game. All right, Hoinsey, uh, tonight in Houston, we'll uh, follow your coverage and have a lot more to say about the Indians as they open up a series against the Houston Astros tonight. Uh, JC Mejia on the mound. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>